Hey, you're listening to this episode of One Take, which is a series where I talk about one particular situation in one game or about one team or about the overall season with a particular team or about a particular game. Uh, in this episode, you're listening to or about to listen to uh, the Tennessee Titans resurgence and why it's been working as of late, uh, despite the loss to Texas. So... Also, in other news, again, I'm going to drop that episode or the Wednesday's episode, of course, on Wednesday. Uh, that's, my, that's my daily episode where, where I preview and, and review games uh, that are, have happened and are coming up. And also, uh, for my next one take, uh, episode 8, it's going to be about the uh, current situation with the Cleveland Browns of their front office, Baker Mayfield, and Freddie Kitchens. And that's multiple uh, situations, if you will, but uh, it's very important, at least for me, to talk about you know the obvious why it hasn't been successful and what's other things that may have caused the Browns or may it attributed to the Browns being six and eight right now. Um, otherwise, that's all the news I got for you. Thanks so much again for just listening throughout this year. Um, as Christmas time comes to an open and then a close once it's over, um, I do hope uh, that you're able to celebrate with family. I do hope that you get a gift that you want or a surprise gift that you never expected that you end up loving. Um, I also hope that the New Year's we're gonna go are gonna go well for you. Um, and again, I can't help but be appreciative that you're listening uh, to this episode. Also, again, I'm going to continuously do the dailies of every Wednesday. The NFL season's not over yet. Um, and then once the playoffs are over, once the Super Bowl is done, I'm going to take a small break um, and then do my season two of offseason uh, with big things I want to talk about coming up. Uh, not just with the show, uh, but also just things I love. I'm uh, talking about offensive and defensive systems. Um, you know, talking about NFL history, I'm talking about football history. Um, again, this is as I'm working towards my goal of becoming a, a collegiate and professional head coach in my life. Um, this, as of right now, just being able to do this and being close to my first love is something that I'm always going to cherish. So again, thank you so much for listening to this, um, to this upcoming episode and throughout this uh, this year. Uh, nevertheless. Have a kick-ass day, week, year, finish strong, and have another kick-ass year coming up. Uh, but nevertheless, here's that episode of One Take. Talk about the Titans' resurgence. Here you go. What up, fellas? Of course, this is Griff Talks Football. Uh, today, again, as you might have listened to that intro, of course, it's uh, about the Titans' resurgence. Obviously, um, as you're listening, the game between the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans, the first matchup of the Week 15 season, which Houston played at Tennessee Stadium, in which the Texans did win that. Um, obviously, I meant to upload this prior to um that game but nevertheless it's it's despite Houston winning even if Tennessee had won 
or even if, they, even if it was a high-scoring game or low-scoring game, either one team won or the other team didn't. Either way, I was still going to talk about the same thing here um, of what has made Tennessee be able to be in position with two games left in the season, starting with the Saints and then ending it on an away game playing at Houston. Um, what has made them or what's given them the opportunity to be successful or at least be 8-6 and six at this point in the season. And so, of course, Mike Vabrel Vabre, is in his second year there. The the team itself has finished nine and seven three straight years. And back in twenty seventeen, no, I'm sorry. Not three straight years, just two. So it's two consecutive years. Twenty seventeen, last year Mike Malarkey. They went nine and seven, beat the Chiefs. Lost to the Patriots last season. Went nine and seven. They lost a key game to the Colts. Had they beat the Colts in that Sunday night football matchup as the last regular season game um, for Week Seventeen, the Titans would have made the playoffs again. And that was again Mike Fabrell's first year being the head coach of his team. Now is in the second year, trying to have the team go ten six. Or you know nine and seven again, and and try to get or at least do their best to get the six playoff positioning. And in speaking about this playoff picture, um, you know right now of course Baltimore is the one seed at least in the AFC. Um, just talking about the AFC playoff picture, Baltimore again they're number one, New England's number two, uh, Kansas City Chiefs they're number three seed, Houston's the number four. Number five is the Buffalo Bills, in which they are now playoff bound. They claim a playoff spot, beating the Steelers last Sunday night. <clears throat> and, of course, that sixth seed right now is still in the Steelers' favor. They're in six right now. They can win the next two games um, and claim that playoff positioning. Of course, you can argue Tennessee could do that. If Steelers lose one of their games and Tennessee wins out, uh, you know, Browns, despite being eight, six and eight, they can still make it by having all the other teams, Steelers, Titans, to lose out, be eight and eight, have the Browns go eight and eight. And uh, same thing for, for Raiders um, and the Colts, too. Literally have everyone just lose. As for the Raiders, the Colts, they just need to lose one more game. And the Browns need to win out. But, again, that's that's a miracle in itself. And that's a whole other one take for another episode just with the Cleveland Browns this year. Um, as a Browns fan, this is – it fucking sucks. It really does. It fucking sucks. But then again, I'm not talking about the Browns. I'm talking about the Tennessee Titans. So to see where they are right now, you have to take it back to the beginning of the season. Or even you can take it back to the offseason in which during the free agency, um, Tennessee Titans, they signed, they picked up Ryan Tannehill as a free agent. They signed him. He wasn't re-signed with the Miami Dolphins. They hired Brian Flores at that time. He's still with the team, of course. 
And they decided to go a different direction by trading for Josh Rosen and then signing Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill had the best offer, decided to go to Tennessee for because it was the best offer for him. And essentially being the backup role to Marcus Mariota. Now, when Marcus Mariota was a starter, he went 2-4 and four with the team. Now, granted, again, not one player is to blame for the team being 2-4 and four at that point. Now, from what, from what it looks like right now and what I agree with, Tannehill is by far outplayed Marcus Mariota and has put Tennessee Titans in a position to be 8-6. But then again, it's not all about one player. One player does not simply carry the team. There's other players involved. And let's just say that if you find one player, no matter what position that is, whether it's running back, quarterback, receiver, tight end, that is that excels or plays better than the other or has make the most of their opportunities and you decide to go with that player as a starter, that can immensely change your team for the better in terms of making them have a better opportunity to compete and be able to win games. But of course with Marcus Mario as a starter, went two and four. You know, their wins were only the Cleveland and the Aladdin Falcons. Now the Cleveland game, which was week one, they obviously smacked the shit out of the Browns. You know, 43 to 13, I think. Uh, of course, as you can see, as I'll talk about throughout this episode, you know, key to kind of that game was not only the turnovers that Tennessee was forcing defensively, but also they were able to pound the ball with no problem. Uh, Cleveland's run defense throughout the season has by far been that weakness of the defense itself. It's I'm not saying so atrocious because they're not so ranked bottom in the league, but they're barely average as it is in terms of run defense. And so when I say average, I'm talking about, you know, from ranking 16th to around 12th, maybe, no, to around 10th, I would say, in defending the run or at least yards, rushing yards allowed. Um, but again, Cleveland does not have the best run defense. So even that game, it was week one, which no stats will have been determined until after the games were over, until the next following week comes up. Tennessee, again, was able to pound the ball with no problem with you know Derrick Henry. But then again, when they play the Falcons, their defense is atrocious. And so Tennessee, of course, won that. Um, but then their loss has been to the Colts, the Jaguars, the Bills, and the Broncos, which each team on, on of the loss that they have played against has either an okay or good or an excellent run defense, and Tennessee was not able to pound the ball. Also, two of those defenses or two of those teams that I mentioned, the Bills and the Broncos, have excellent defensive units. It's just one team is a better offense compared to the other, and the Bills are in a playoff spot, or at least now playoff bound, and, and Denver is far from now uh, eliminated from playoff contention. And, of course, 
Mariota was putting up pedestrian numbers. I mean, he threw seven touchdown passes to two picks. Okay, good touchdown to reception ratio, but he was completing 59% of his passes. Um, and he wasn't throwing a whole bunch of yards. I mean, he threw he threw barely over 1,000 yards. He threw 1,179 yards passing. Again, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. 129 yards rushing, zero touchdowns, but three fumbles. So it, it really – he was not performing so well because the teams they played against, some of them do not have excellent secondaries. And you have A.J. Brown on your team, T.J. Sharp. Of course, Delaney, Delaney Walker has not played. He's been out with injuries. But you have weapons on the outside you can throw to. And, again – the op- that offense was inept, or it was it was it was not good in terms of passing the ball. Even with play action, because of Mariota's misthrows or misreads or not getting the ball out quickly as possible, or not recognizing what the defense is in and not making you know checks out of it. Heck, I'm not even sure they call audibles out of play actions. I imagine they do. It is an NFL team, but again. As I will point this out, Mariota was not making the most of what he was dealing with or what he had. And as for Tannehill, he's making the most of what he has. And he's been excellent, very excellent play action, which I'll get to that in a second. And so, again, going two and four, Mariota got benched in the third quarter in the Broncos game, and Tennessee still lost that uh, 16 and zero. But then, Making that switch with Ryan Tannehill, ever since then, they've been 6-2 and two with him as a starter. He's got wins over the Chargers, Buccaneers, Chiefs, Jaguars, Colts, Raiders. His two losses were to the Panthers and the Texans. And part of the reason for that success Again, not only for him, you know, completing 73.4% of his passes, having 120 passer rating, as well as throwing over 2,000 yards. And he's also got um, 16 touchdowns and six interceptions, I believe. And he's also rushed over... 150 yards, he's got three touchdowns, but another problem he's got to work on is his fumbles. He's fumbled six times. But nevertheless, again, 6-2 and two is a starter. Why? Because he's making the most out of his play actions. His team didn't really – has not changed offensively or has not changed their identity. Their identity has always been pounding the rock, using multiple tight end sets, Multiple eye formations, you know, one fullback, one tight end, two receivers, one running back, or one fullback, two tight ends, one receiver, one running back. You know, having basically two backs in the backfield. And it's pounding the ball. It's running a bunch of zones and powers and counters. They use a lot of gap runs. And when you have a big and athletic back and Derrick Henry, and that's the person you want to ride with in your offense or you feel that this is your identity, then you go for that. And you feel that's what you're best at, 
go for it. And that's what it's Tennessee has been been best at all year. Even Mariota going two and four as a starter, and with Ryan Tannehill going six and two as a starter, it's been pounding the rock. Again, I've I've reiterate this. I'll reiterate this again. Ryan Tannehill has made the most out of his play action passes. He's been throwing the ball accurately. He, of course, I would say has a stronger arm compared to Marcus Mariota. He's also more healthy than Marcus Mariota. Again, Mariota has been dealing with injuries ever since he's been there at Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill, he's dealt with minor injuries except for his torn ACL back in 2016 with Miami. But otherwise, he's not dealt with the vast amount of injuries as much as Marcus Mariota, which may have been the point why Tennessee decided to go with Ryan Tannehill just because Mariota, again, was not playing well. But as I've mentioned these teams, again, the wins against the Chargers, the Buccaneers, the Chiefs, the Jags, the Colts, the Raiders, they all have terrible run defenses. Also, Raiders have a terrible secondary. Like, I pointed this out in my episode, I think, last week when I was reviewing this game between the Titans and Raiders. It was tied 21-21. And then in the second half, the Titans made more adjustments. And again, Ryan Tannehill made the most of what he got, which is what happens to be excellent receivers in that offense. Again, with an excellent O-line, especially for run blocking, with an excellent running back. They continue to score points. They continue to wear down teams because they run the ball. And he throws 60, 70-yard bombs sometimes because our receiver gets open on separation. The defense is so focused on the run. And then Tannehill throws an accurate ball for a touchdown. And, of course, it helps when your defense also forces turnovers, keeps Oakland out of scoring touchdowns or even field goals. And you end up winning that game by three possessions. So again, 42 to 21. But they beat the Colts the second uh, the second meeting. They beat the Jaguars. Both teams do not have excellent run defenses. The Chiefs, the Bucks, they also don't have excellent run defenses. And with the Chargers, they don't have an excellent run defense either, but they've also been on offense, been turning over the ball a lot. And of course, a lot of people are going to point towards Phil Rivers for throwing interceptions, which that is the case, yes. Um, but you also have to recognize it's also a team game. And so either, either those receivers were in the wrong route or the protection in which Rivers was trying to make the most of what he had under that time when he decided to throw the ball. But evidently, that interception comes under his stat line, not the O-lines, not the receivers. It comes under him. I'm not defending River, Phil Rivers' play either. I'm just saying... It's there's more factors going into an offense that continues to turn over the ball. But as we said, you also have to consider which players do you have on your roster that excel or that do better than the other. And they don't have a backup quarterback or they don't have a, another quarterback in the roster that's far better than Phil Rivers. They just don't. But again, Tannehill going six and two as a starter. The offensive identity, the offensive identity, has not changed. It's just him making the most of what he's got. But also that key game that they lost to not only the Houston but also the Panthers. Both teams have excellent run defense. I know that with Houston, they struggled in two games defending the run, 
Number one, they lost to Baltimore and they got their ass back. Number two, uh, the Colts do have a good and excellent O-line when it comes to both pass protection and run blocking. And they have excellent running backs with Marlon Mack and, um, and various others on that roster in which they were able to pound the ball. But part of the reason why Houston was able, were able to defeat the Colts the second time was not giving up the big plays off of play action and stopping Colts on third and shorts and third and longs and getting to Jacoby Brissett in terms of pass rush. And also, Jacoby Brissett did not take the advantage that he had in some plays where he had an open receiver and play action because either he was under pressure or he missed the throw. So I'm, I'm seeing that if you have a quarterback that can excel with your excellent run game, then it makes you a more dangerous team. And had Jacoby played well in that game, Houston probably would have lost. And this is similar here where Tennessee, they were on the doorsteps of being Houston, but then there was a turnover. Um, Tennessee defense later in that game, especially in the fourth quarter, were struggling to defend the run when Houston was running the ball. They still got beat on intermediate to deep routes. And with Tennessee, they're pretty run dependent. And when they have to play from behind, if Houston, which they've made some stops against the run, in which it was the first game in a while where Derrick Henry didn't have a, over 100 yards rushing, despite the team having a total over 100 yards rushing, when you're able to stop one player that's usually known for getting over 100 yards, you've kind of slowed down their offense. And also, Houston's secondary played well when Tennessee was throwing the ball for a majority of the game up until the last offensive or the second to last offensive drive with the Tennessee Titans in which they went down and scored. But then in the last offensive possession, they got sacked and then time ran out and then Houston won 24 to 21. So again, it was a close game, but it wasn't, it again, was not as perfect or, of course, well, every team wants to get perfect. Not, and every game they played, it's not as perfect. But I'm saying Tennessee certainly wanted Derrick Henry to get over 100 yards because that's their identity. Like, hey, we have Derrick Henry go over 100 yards rushing, and we have other backs for finding holes in this defense. And because our quarterback is accurate, we will win this game. But evidently, they were unable to really find holes against Houston's front seven. Other than on two big runs they allowed. And then Tennessee, of course, had one or two big pass plays that got him into the end zone. Or at least got into the red zone to have a rushing touchdown. Or what have you. But for the majority of the game, they did not do well offensively. Other than, of course, having one drive, but it ended up being a turnover because the receiver got hit by Justin Reed, in which the ball then batted up in the air, intercepted by Whitney Merciless, who took it for 86 yards. And then two plays later, Houston converted that turnover into a touchdown. 
But for the majority of that game, it was inconsistent because when you're facing a front seven that defends the run pretty well, and that is your identity, and you're not good at excelling at other things, or you can't seem to excel at things you're uncomfortable with because it's not often you practice, or the team is making you uncomfortable and you can't seem to excel because, again, this is not what you do. It's going to be very hard to or very difficult to do well offensively. You know, with Houston, they didn't also pass the ball successfully either. They ended up grinding, they ended up pounding the rock late in the fourth quarter, and they found success there. Of course, Houston's ranked number four, uh, yeah, number four in rushing yards, but they're not pounding the ball 25 to 30 times a game. They're not. Really, it's been around the 20s, maybe sometimes 25, but they've also, again, are more of a pass heavy, not so much pass heavy offense, but they lean towards the pass more than lean towards running the ball because that's their identity is intermediate deep routes. And if that's your bread and butter to then set up the run, then go for that. Tennessee, meanwhile, took them a while in the second half to score points. But that's because, again, evidently, they were able to succeed off of play action. But then when it came to that fourth quarter, they did not have any success whatsoever until around that two-minute warning. Now, they scored a touchdown early in the fourth quarter, but that was, again, like 14 minutes left on the clock. And so that was a continuation, if you will, of the drive that they had in the third quarter. But after that, because they were from they were behind, and it's getting late in the fourth quarter, it's that it forces you to consider, okay, I can't pound the rock here as much. We got to do something else to get back into this game because we also want enough time to not only force a three and out, but to give us an opportunity to march down the field and score again. But unfortunately... It was a little too late for that, for them to have had the opportunity to win that game. But as I pointed out why it's been successful as a late or why Tennessee has been successful, it's Ryan Tannehill making the most of his chances. Dan Henry has been getting 100 yards nearly every game. And as a team as a whole, they're – if Derrick Henry gets over 100 yards and then other backs or other players get positive yardage on running, on on carrying the ball, running the ball, then you've had success in that. And also, again, the teams that they face since Tannehill has started, there's only been two teams where at that time they had excellent run defenses, and that was the Panthers and it was the Houston Texans and we should play the Houston Texans in two weeks. So evidently, they're going to try to do some different things to enable their running attack. And I imagine that Houston will probably be prepared for that. They didn't you know, do so well in their own offensive identity, but they're probably going to do some things to enable their offensive identity, which is, again has been passing the ball through intermediate and deep routes. 
But you also consider that this season for Ryan Daniel has been very similar to his 2016 season with the Miami Dolphins. Now, I think that season he threw 19 touchdowns and also 13 interceptions before he got a torn ACL late in the season. But you also consider that that offense at the time was not pass heavy. It was run heavy because they had amazing back at that time who evidently has a one-year fluke, which was J.H.I. He was a vocal point of that offense. He was the reason why, or at least a huge reason, why Miami had the opportunity and were able to make the opportunity to make the playoffs first time since 2008. They went in the wild card line and then got butchered by the Pittsburgh Steelers. But as you can see through Ryan Tannehill's career, that season is very similar to this season where it's not a pass-heavy offense. It's not really asking them to carry the team throughout the game unless it's late in the fourth quarter and playing from behind. It's been pounding a rock. Again, it's just been him making the most of it. So a lot of people you know, are saying, hey, Ryan Tannehill might get another contract extension. You know, there's been reports that Tennessee is going to give him a contract extension depending how the season goes. But as you saw from that Houston game, and then even if you saw from that Panthers game in the middle, late in the middle of the season, this is not a quarterback that I should be really excited about going into the future. Of course, any team, every team is different because of their own offensive identity. But there are going to be times in games where you're going to ask your quarterback to carry the team, and if your quarterback can't do that or can't help you catch up or can't help you break a tie in the game or can't help you maintain a lead in the game if your offensive identity isn't working, then this isn't a, a quarterback that should be on your team. Or maybe it's a coaching staff that shouldn't have been hired. Of course, there's other factors. But I would also point out, again, this is probably a quarterback you shouldn't want on your team. Because, again, it's very similar to 2016 season. So, I mean, Tennessee, if they make the playoffs, they'll worry about the decision later. But if they don't make it, then there's going to be a lot to think about. I would consider drafting another quarterback. Maybe because of your draft position, not in the first round, but maybe in the second and the third round, if you really want to keep Brian Denhill. I'm just saying you should not expect such success through Ryan Denhill because they rely heavily on Derrick Henry. You know, with Deshaun Watson, of course, that's their offensive identity with Houston, is passing the ball. But they got other weapons. They got running backs in the O-line to just pound the rock. And he's able to carry the team, as we've seen throughout Houston, despite, you know, them being inconsistent at times. We've seen them. We've seen Watson be able to carry the team or be able to help the team excel and be able to do well against very good teams, such as New England. Um, even with that loss to the Saints in week one, they were in the position to win that game. And in, in so many other games. But I just wanted to point this out, even though I've, I think I've been repetitive. 
But nevertheless, again, this is not something as a Tennessee Titan fan you should be excited about. You should not be excited about Tennessee giving a long-term deal to Ryan Tannehill because of the history that Ryan Tannehill has. Yes, he's put up stats, but not 30 touchdown season stats, not 4,600 passing yard stats with 70% completion percentage, not that kind of stats. He's put up okay stats, but it in his only successful season, at least winning, which is both right now and that 2016 season, it's been featured or it's featured both teams having excellent running backs. With at that time, Jay Ajayi with the Dolphins and right now with Derrick Henry. And so you should not be excited about giving a long-term deal to Ryan Tannehill um, just because of his history. But nevertheless, that's our episode for tonight or today uh, for One Take. Uh, The next episode of One Take is going to be about the situation right now, which will come out, I promise you, this Friday, about Freddie Kitchens and the Cleveland Browns in the front office. Thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait uh, to release that episode soon. I'll release my Wednesday episode this Wednesday, of course, and, of course, uh, have a kick-ass day, y'all. Thank you.